The UN's environment body says it continues to be concerned about a lack of government action to protect the Great Barrier Reef. Australia could be the first developed country added to the United Nations environmental list of shame for failing to protect the Great Barrier Reef. It's the seventh greatest wonder of the world. Now the world is wondering how long the Great Barrier Reef will survive. This would be a huge embarrassment to Australia. The Carmichael coal mine proposed for Queensland's Galilee Basin would be the biggest ever seen in Australia. It would include six open-cut pits and five underground mines. Measuring a massive 28,000 hectares, the mine would be seven times the area of Sydney Harbour and is named after the river that runs through the mine's site. The Carmichael mine will be a catastrophe for the environment. The burning of coal from the Carmichael mine would produce a whopping 121 million tonnes of deadly carbon dioxide emissions every year. That's four times the fossil fuel emissions of New Zealand. And the mine will wipe out endangered woodlands and birds and will have a devastating effect on the World Heritage-listed Great Barrier Reef. More about the mine shortly. But first, Louise Fraser from Greenpeace Australia Pacific wants you to know that the Great Barrier Reef is big. Very, very big. It's 2,300 kilometres long, which means it goes from about Vancouver down to Mexico on the west coast of the US. It's that long. The reef is home to a lot of different plants and animals. You've got more than 600 soft and hard corals, more than 100 species of jellyfish. 3,000 different species of mollusks, 500 species of worms. Not many people think worms are exciting, but they live there too. Uh, More than 1,500 different species of fish, 133 species of rays and sharks, and 30 species of dolphins and whales either live there or migrate through there. So the array of wildlife is spectacular. Okay. We've got whales, turtles, dolphins and those worms. But what else calls the Great Barrier Reef home? There's so many amazing and beautiful animals that live on the Great Barrier Reef. There are more than 1,500 different species of fish alone and other beautiful animals that maybe people around the world don't know about. There's a wonderful little creature called a nudibranch. Nudie what's? A mollusk gastropod that doesn't have a shell. Most people would say, well, that's a sea slug, and that's exactly what they look like. But they look like an animal that a five-year-old has coloured in with every colour in the crayon box. They are in every colour imaginable, and they have the most amazing shapes. Some have little spikes, and some have kind of wiggly feelers, and some are smooth, but they look amazing. (laughs) Some of the animals of the Great Barrier Reef have been around since prehistoric times and they have hardly changed over the millennia. They include animals like turtles and crocodiles. And while most people would not be keen to encounter a crocodile on the Great Barrier Reef, it's their home too. Adani's proposed Carmichael mine is actually three massive projects. The building of Australia's largest thermal coal mine, a 388-kilometre rail line from central Queensland to the coast, where a new terminal 
is to be constructed at Abbott Point near Bowen. Adani claims the combined operations of these three projects will provide over 10,000 direct and indirect jobs and that over its 60-year life, the infrastructure will also assist the development of other proposed mines in the Galilee Basin. Shani Tager is a reef campaigner for Greenpeace Pacific and provides an outline of the Carmichael mine proposal and its impact. They're proposing to open one of the biggest thermal coal mines in the world in central Queensland, in the Galilee Basin. Uh, the Carmichael mine will produce sort of three to four times uh, the amount of coal of any of the other mines in Queensland and then ship it a few hundred kilometres to the coast, expand the port at Abbott Point, which is right in the heart of the Great Barrier Reef and next to an internationally significant wetland, and then export it primarily to India they're talking about, but they've been looking at markets in Korea as well. The mine covers a massive area of land. The impacts that it'll have on the Great Barrier Reef are going to be both direct and indirect. So to expand the port at Abbott Point, they're going to have to do a significant amount of dredging, so sucking up the seafloor and dumping that seafloor on the ground, uh, on land, to make way for the ships to come through. And so this is disturbing the habitat of dugongs, of turtles, of giant manta rays. Um, it's a really ecologically diverse area of the reef that they're planning on, on making a lot more industrial activity happen in. And then that's not even taking into account the hundreds of ships that will go through the reef as a result of this, which increases the risk of uh, of groundings, of oil spills, of direct strikes of animals like we saw a few weeks ago when a baby humpback whale was killed by a boat. In addition to the direct impacts, there's the indirect impacts that we'll see once this coal is burnt overseas, and that's through the climate impacts on the reef. And scientists are telling us that climate change is the biggest long-term threat to the health of the reef. So it's bad news now and it's bad news in the future for the health of the reef. Bad news for the reef? Just how bad is the news? Louise Fraser. We're looking at, with this year's El Nino, increased water temperatures, which will lead to coral bleaching, or it's predicted that coral bleaching will occur this summer, southern summer. Coral bleaching is when the zooxanthellae, which is a small animal that lives within the coral structure, are expelled from the coral because the water temperature is too high, or it can be because of the water being too acidic. Now, the coral can recover from this if the zooxanthellae come back and re-inhabit it. When the zooxanthellae are expelled, they are the things that give the coral their beautiful colour. So when uh, they are expelled, the coral will go white. If they don't come back in, we then see the coral being colonised by algae and going green and furry and looking very obviously uh, sick. That's when the coral's dead. So there are many things that can harm the coral and that can harm the reef. And what we have to do is make sure that we can minimise that as much as possible. And that's part of the reason why Greenpeace is campaigning to stop the development of coal mines along the Queensland coast that will be exporting their coal through the reef. And what about the baby whale? In September, a humpback whale calf was found caught in the propeller of a tugboat at a coal terminal along the Great Barrier Reef. The threat posed by increased industrialisation along the coast of Queensland is going to be more instances of injury to animals like whales, turtles and dolphins as larger vessels go through the area more often.
John Day is a PhD candidate at Queensland's James Cook University, but John is doing his PhD at the end of his career, not the beginning. John Day worked with the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park Authority for 30 years and was a director of the World Heritage Committee until last year. He's been hands-on in our understanding of the reef and its environment, the opportunities posed by the reef and the threats to it. The Great Barrier Reef is, of course, listed on the World Heritage Register. With that listing come certain obligations. But is Australia doing its part? John Day says he's already observing deterioration of the reef. I uh, have seen the decline in the, in the Great Barrier Reef in the time I was working there, which is of concern. There's many threats facing the reef. The four priority ones are climate change, poor water quality, mainly from land-based runoff, impacts from coastal development and some remaining unsustainable impacts of fishing. But if you look at that Outlook report, it talks about up to 40 different threats facing the reef, everything from potential oil spills to uh, ocean acidification, which is a huge problem down the track. So the real issue is not any one threat alone, it's the cumulative impact of all these threats together. And that's something that's really hard to address but it needs to be addressed. The Great Barrier Reef is vast. There is the reef, the surrounding marine park. There is the land, of course, along the coast. Can we not afford to give up some of that for economic good? You're absolutely right. It is an enormous area. And when you talk to people overseas, most of them don't realise what we're talking about is an area the size of Italy or the size of Japan. Well, the, the, the favourite quote I, is, I give is when I talk to my colleagues from North America, it would stretch the entire west coast of the USA from the Canadian border down to the Mexican border. And they have no idea of something as big as that. The non-government advisory body that advised the World Heritage Committee in their report said if one coral reef in the world should be listed on the World Heritage List, it should be the Great Barrier Reef. That's why it's so important. If I can just quickly give you some examples. It has about half the world's species of corals, about half the world's, uh, that's hard coral species, about half the world's species of mangroves, one third of all the world's soft coral species, and about 23% of all our seagrasses in the world. So, and, and you know, six of the world's seven species marine turtles. So it's a really important area. In fact, I would say, in terms of world heritage sites, it's probably the most important on the list in terms of global biodiversity. I'm not saying it's the most important area in the world for biodiversity, but of the sites that are currently on the world heritage list, it's probably the most important for biodiversity. And so Australia has a real obligation to look after it and uh, manage it for the, for the world. And that's effectively what the World Heritage Committee has asked us to do.